Welcome to Life Church Online today. My name is Dustin Johnston, and I'm on staff here at Life Church, the director of Life Leadership College. So I get to oversee our school of ministry. And uh, it's an honor to share the platform with our pastor, Pastor Aaron, today as we continue our summer series called Summer at Life Church. Uh, we've already said, but at the, at the end of our sermon today, we are going to take communion together. So if you haven't gathered those elements, go ahead and do so now. Today, I hope to encourage you with a message entitled, The War on Worry. We are living in a super stressful time. Can we all just acknowledge that? I, I think due to all of that's been going on, we haven't even kind of paused just to acknowledge how weird all of this is. I, I don't know about you, but I've never lived, lived through a global pandemic before. I doubt many of you have either. And it's an incredibly in, uncomfortable season. And it's a season in which I, I think a lot of us are feeling extreme levels of worry or fear or anxiety. And it's not just about the coronavirus, but maybe even about the economic damage that it is causing. We all know someone that's lost a job or has had their income negatively affected or disrupted. We know people maybe that have even gotten sick. And we're all asking, when are things going to go back to normal? The unknown, especially during this time, can cause us to, to be worried. I actually, on, on social media this past week, I, I posed a simple question, and it was this, what are you anxious about? That was it, simple question, what are you anxious about? And within a matter of an hour, had dozens of replies back to that. I wanna share just a few of them with you. Uh, to that prompt, what are you anxious about? Addie wrote that she was anxious about finding slash buying a house, especially during this season. Brittany said that she's anxious how my kids' school future will look. And I know many can relate to that. Victoria actually said, what am I not anxious about? That list, <laughs> that list would have been a lot shorter than what am I anxious about. Ava said that she's anxious about going to college, which I can't even imagine going through some of these major milestones in life, right? Graduation from high school, finding and going to first few days of college at a time like this. Bobby said that she's anxious uh, that because she's got a baby that's coming in like seven weeks. Can't imagine what that would be like. And then Elena said, she's anxious about whether COVID means that I'll have to give birth without my husband by my side. There's a lot to be worried about today. Some of our worries are rational. Some of them are irrational. Some of our anxieties are situational. And then some are mental or chemical or even spiritual anxieties. Some of you feel anxiety about feeling anxiety. It's just this endless cycle on repeat. And thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety and worry and what to do with it. Bible says that anxiety is a fact of life, but it doesn't have to dominate your life. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 today, dealing with a few verses there. It's, a, it's really a popular scripture when it comes to dealing with anxiety. But as you'll see, it's one that frustrates just as many people as it encourages. You'll see what I mean as we get into it, but I think that if you are willing to press in for the next few minutes, that God has a message for you. And it's a message of peace. 
So as you're turning in your Bibles to Philippians chapter four, uh, it's important to note, I was able to actually look up and you can look up and find this week, the most highlighted set of verses within the past six months on the world's largest Bible app, YouVersion, are these verses that we're going to be dealing with today. In other words, people all around the world are desperate right now to discover God's cure for anxiety. We're going to see here in Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul gives us his prescription for peace in the middle of a pandemic. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, it says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You've probably heard these verses before. Can you imagine, though, why this might frustrate someone dealing with anxiety? When you're worried, the last thing that you need someone to tell you is don't worry, as if it's like a magical switch that you can just turn off and on. Oh, I'm worrying and I just don't have to do this? Oh, thank you so much for that. It, it doesn't necessarily work, work like that. When you're stressed about something at home, right, or at work and you've got a friend or someone close to you, you're anxious about something, what's the worst thing that a friend or a spouse or a loved one can say to you? Huh? Calm down right? That has the opposite effect. If someone's like, hey, just calm down, that never works out in an argument. However, calm, peace, tranquility, whatever you call it, those are all things that we desperately need, crave, and want during times of anxiety. Here in Philippians, there's much more going on than just a simple directive to not worry or to just calm down. In fact, we're going to walk through this text and we're going to read the verses again a few different times throughout the message and see that there are four powerful commands that lead to a powerful promise. The powerful promise being that his peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Four powerful commands. And we're going to uh, do that with the acronym CALM, C-A-L-M. And I get it, I understand acronyms are somewhat cheesy, but they are also memorable. And so my hope today is that through these four powerful uh, commands and using the acronym CALM, that we'll be able to remember and take to heart this message of peace. Beginning with C, number one, control belongs to God. Control belongs to God. It's important to note the context. Uh, when Paul wrote these words to the Philippians, he, he was an older man. He was near the end of his life. This is one of the uh, last letters that he wrote. And he wasn't writing these words from the comfort of his own home or from like some luxury resort beach or anything like that. He was writing this from a prison cell. At this point of, in his life, he had been beaten many times. He'd been shipwrecked, he had been bitten by snakes, he'd been left for dead, and now he's quarantined, right? He's locked away in a prison cell, isolated, and he's suffering. And what's worse than that is that he's in prison awaiting trial in front of Nero. Have you heard of the guy? Nero is a Roman emperor now known in our history books for killing Christians. So if you think having to stay at home is tough, Paul is in prison, he's suffering, he's awaiting execution, his future is frightening, and yet his words here in Philippians don't contain a single word of complaint. 
There's not one word of worry. You, you can look through the entire book and you can try to find, you're not going to find it. It's a short book, only four chapters. Go ahead and do it. You can do it now. You can do it at a later time. But even in the last chapter, Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. How, how in the world is that possible knowing the context, knowing what Paul is dealing with and what his future might hold? It's because the apostle Paul had this foundational belief in the sovereignty of God. Have you heard that word before? Sovereignty. It's a big kind of, not just theological word, but we use it there. Sovereignty. One way that you could remember it is there smack dab in the middle of the word is the word reign. R-E-I-G-N. Sovereignty. It simply means here that God is in complete control of every element in the universe, including your life. The apostle Paul was convinced I may be in prison. The situation might not be ideal. I don't know what the future holds, but my God is in complete control. Can you confidently say that right now? With whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're going through, can you say that in quarantine or maybe you're work from home right now or you've experienced a loss of income? Can you look down the barrel of your current crisis and boldly proclaim that God is in control. Whether or not it currently feels this way, you need to understand that God is writing your story from the first page to the final chapter. Listen to how David says it in Psalm 139, verse 16. He says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That was what David wrote. But if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you get to say the same thing that David said and you get to say it with confidence. I am a child of God. He writes my story. In fact, he holds my past, he holds my present and he holds my future in his hands. So that even when things go wrong, and they will, even when things go wrong in your life, and they will, even when things get difficult in your life, and they will, ultimately, they will all be worked out by the sovereign God of the universe for your good and his glory. Listen to me, true peace is not the absence of crisis. It is the presence of Christ in your crisis. I'll say it again. True peace is not the absence of crisis. It is the presence of Christ in your crisis. So for the Christian, God never promised to remove you from anything that you're dealing with that's difficult. God, God never promised to remove the difficulties in life. He promises you something far greater. He promises that in those moments of crisis, he will be there with you. The sea in calm is that control belongs to God. We've got to acknowledge that control belongs to God. The A, point number two, is to ask God for help. Ask God for help. Philippians 4, verse 6, our text says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
This is no passive act. Paul instructs us to actually get up and take action against anxiety. Pray about everything. Tell God exactly what you need. Where our resources are limited, God's resources are limitless. In other words, prayer is the difference between the best that you can do and the best that God can do. Prayer is the difference between the best that you can do and the best that God can do. And when you pray, the scripture encourages us to be highly specific. Be specific about what you are praying about. If you're facing anxiety at work this week, be specific. Tell God exactly what you need. You can say, Lord, I have a meeting with my supervisor tomorrow at two o'clock and she intimidates me. Would you, would you just give me a spirit of peace one, so that I can sleep well tonight, but would you also just grant me the wisdom so that in our conversation tomorrow, I can come prepared with the right questions and the right answers. And Holy Spirit, would you just soften the heart of my supervisor? Soften her heart towards me and let our conversation be covered in grace. And may this be a meeting in which you are glorified and your name is honored. Amen. You can pray a prayer specific like that. And do you, did, you, did you hear how specific that request was? You will know how God answered that prayer tomorrow at two o'clock. We tend to make general requests of God, and I do this from time to time as well, as if God needs an out. <laughs> as if he's some small guy that needs an out just in case he doesn't want to do it or can't get around to it or isn't big enough to do it. We say, God, would you do this for me? Only if you want to, only if you feel like it, only if you can, but don't let it bother you, God. Would you just show up and do this, please, if you want to? We, we make these general, general requests, forgetting that God is a big God. He can handle your requests. And more than that, God is a good father, and he loves to hear the voice of his children speaking to him, talking to him, asking him for things. Imagine this with me, if you would. Imagine that God showed up to you right now and he asked you these words. What do you want me to do for you? This isn't just some made up scenario. This has actually happened before. In, in Luke chapter 18, we see an example of this. Jesus was walking along the road and he saw a blind beggar on the street. And Jesus stopped and asked this man, he said, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? You might read this and be like, isn't, isn't it obvious what, <laughs> what we need, this, what, we need, what I need from you, Jesus? And, and here's, here's a quick note. When Jesus asks you a question, it's, it's never for his benefit. In this scenario, Jesus is asking, he's saying, I know what this man needs, but I want him to say it for himself. So Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man, of course, said, I want to see. And in a second, Jesus restores sight to that man. He answers that man's specific request with a spe specific answer, and he gives sight to the blind man. That's one instance of many, and Jesus wants to do the same for you. Your sins have been forgiven by Christ. You are a child of God. So at any moment, at any time, you can boldly go to your father in heaven and ask him for help. He wants you to do that. 
So as you think about the list of things that cause you anxiety, that cause you worry, right? Your job or, or maybe your kids or your income. I want you to imagine Jesus showing up to you and saying, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? How would you answer? Some of you, you have an answer. You know it already, like instantly in your head. You know exactly what you would ask God for. Maybe you have someone in your family that needs healing. Or uh, maybe for you, you have a, a grown child that's struggling in life. Maybe he's walked away from the faith and that's something that's the heaviest burden on your hearts. God is asking you today, what do you want me to do for you? You want me to heal your marriage? Just ask. Do you want me to help you to overcome a temptation that's been a part of your life for far too long? Ask. Do you want me to protect your aging parents, bring healing to your body? Ask me. What is overwhelming you right now? Is there a mountain in your life that is too big for you to move, that needs moving? It may be too big for you, but it is not too big for your God. So ask God boldly. And when he answers, don't forget to thank him. Did you catch the last part of Paul's prescription there in verse six? He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. So make sure that you're seizing your prayers with gratitude. Tell God exactly what you need and thank him for what he's already done. Remember, prayer is the difference between the best that you can do and the best that God can do. And imagine all that God can do. Calm, C-A-L-M-C. Control belongs to God. A, ask God for help. And L, number three, leave your worries with him. In our text, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Do you see this exchange that happens here, right? You give God your problems and in exchange, God gives you his peace. That is a good exchange. Listen to this amazing verse from a different apostle, the apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5, 7, he says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Notice the word there at the beginning of that phrase, cast. Does anyone remember what Peter did for a living? He was a fisherman, right? Uh, and instead of using a rod and a reel, at this time he, he would use a net to fish. And you see a few instances of that even in scripture. And so what they would do is they would go out on uh, the, the body of water in their boat and they would take this huge net and they would cast it as far as they could over the side of the boat, let it rest, let it settle, grab as many fish as they could, and then they would reel that net back into the boat with all of the fish. I want you to keep that image in mind because that is exactly what's happening here. When it says to cast your anxiety on Jesus, you're giving Jesus your problems and he is giving you his peace. You are casting your weaknesses on him and he is giving you his strength. You are casting your fear and God is giving you his confidence, his courage. Cast your anxieties on Jesus because he cares for you. Philippians 4, verse 7, then Paul says, you will experience then God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. 
His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. C, control belongs to God. A, ask God for help. L, leave your worries with him. And then four, finally, M is meditate on good things. Meditate on good things. You've got to understand something when it comes to the war on worry. The battle begins in your brain. It begins right here in your mind. The war on worry is lost right here in the mind. Worry is basically envisioning the future without God. It's what ifs, right? What, what will happen if God doesn't show up? What, what, will God, what will happen if God doesn't show up for my family? What will happen if God doesn't show up at my job? What will happen if God doesn't show up in my life? And here in verse eight of Philippians four, Paul gives us actually eight filters that, that we can look at on whether or not we should allow something into our mind. He gives us eight filters, look at them. And now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Does that describe your Netflix queue? <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, negative thoughts can never lead to a positive life. And yet we sometimes so inundate our minds with, with negative things, hoping to live a positive life, and that's not reality. Listen, every, every thought that you have is like a train. That's why they call it a train of thoughts. In other words, it's leading you somewhere. And you've got to ask the question, before you allow a thought into your mind, is this line of thinking leading me to a place that I want to go? Is it leading me towards God's peace? Is it leading me towards positivity? Or is it leading me towards more negativity and stress and anxiety? The Bible tells us to take captive every negative thought and to make it obedient to Christ. You've actually got to become a bouncer for your brain and just not allow certain things to come in. And if you have a thought, it doesn't mean that you then have to entertain that thought. The battle for your mind is not a neutral one. You are in a spiritual war with an invisible enemy who wants to drag you down by poisoning your thought life. So you've got to watch what you watch. You've got to monitor your minds. You can't just watch depressing dark stuff all the time and expect to live a bright and cheery life, incompatible. What, what about the news that you're taking in? I, I know news is important. It's important to stay uh, uh, in the know of what's happening in the world, but you and I both know the amount of news and negativity that comes with that. How much of it and what kind are you bringing in? What about social media? You know, I know, we all know by now, social media is directly tied to increased levels of depression and anxiety. Scientifically, it makes you restless and discontent and depressed. So if you want peace, you've got to think on the Prince of Peace. You've got to think on Jesus Christ who loved you, who saved you, who died for you, who was raised for you, and who is now filling you with his Holy Spirit. Here's the truth. If you fix your thoughts on the God of peace, you will experience the peace of God. That's the promise. The God of peace wants to give you the peace of God. And that is 
our acronym. That is the way to receive calm and peace and tranquility in your life. See, control, acknowledge, control belongs to God. A, ask God for help. L, leave your worries with him. M, meditate on good things. And then listen to how Paul concludes here and how we'll conclude as well. Verse nine, keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard and saw me doing, and then the God of peace will be with you. Listen, there is no, there is no prescription to just make worry disappear overnight. It's not going to happen. There, there's no pill, there's no workout plan, there's no diet or meditation practice that can fix your anxiety. And I get it here today, many of you, many people are dealing with a mental illness or a chemical imbalance or a medical anxiety disorder. If that's you, for, don't for one second feel any shame because of that. Doctors, medicine, counseling, all of those are good gifts from God. And he uses them in the healing process. And while there's no quick fix, there is a solution and it's to rest in the sovereignty of God. It's, it's to trust that God is for you, not against you. That God is with you. And even if and when you don't see him actively working in your life, to know and to trust that he is behind the scenes working for your good and his glory. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace, listen, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the peace of God that transcends all of our understandings. God, when we are down or when we don't have answers or when we don't know what to do, we can always turn to you. And God, we know that there's not a quick fix and we know that we might still have anxiety tomorrow and the next day and the next, but we know that in those moments of situational anxiety, that we can trust that the savior of the universe is near that he loves us, that he has a plan for us, that he cares for us, that you love us, have a plan for us and care for us. So God, we place our mind and our heart, our thoughts and our will, our life, our past, present and future in your hands, knowing that that's the safest place that we can be. And I pray that as we do that today, as we acknowledge that control belongs to you, as we ask you for help, as we leave things in your hands for you to deal with. God, I pray that you would help to clear our minds and set them firm, set our thoughts firmly on you, and that you would bring the peace of God into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. We're going to conclude with communion today.
So if you will go ahead and grab your elements. The only way that we are able to receive this prescribed peace in our lives is because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's because of what Jesus has done for us. And that's what these elements represent today. If you'll go ahead and grab this bread that represents the body of Christ, take it in your hands. Let's pray together. God, thank you for what this bread represents. Your body broken for us. God, you willingly gave so that we could have life and have life to the full. We thank you so much for that. And we remember that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we take the bread together? Now, if you'll take the cup in your hands, the cup that represents the shed blood of Jesus, let's pray. God, we thank you for what this cup represents. Your blood that was poured out, your blood that brings power and peace and calm in the lives of believers all around the world from the beginning of time. God, we thank you for what this represents. Again, God, we know that you gave this freely so that we might be able to have life and have life to the full. God, we remember your sacrifice today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we take the cup together? Amen. Listen, wherever you are, today, would you join us as we sing one final song in worship? You can stand wherever you are and and engage your heart. Join with us as we sing this final song of praise to our Savior, Jesus Christ.